0: Nick, how are you? I can't complain. How are you doing?
1: It's great to talk to you. I'm well. Chris Kelly here, along with Chris Dim from the Two Guys Named Chris Show. I have to tell you, and I know you've heard this a million times, and now it's going to be a million and one, I think Ron Swanson may belong on the Mount Rushmore of all-time TV sitcom characters. Can you weigh in? Do you think that's
0: true? Well, I mean, you know, it's hard for, for the clown to know from behind the makeup why the children are crying <laughs> so, um, now you know you say but, that but thank you <laughs>
1: yeah, listen you say that I I did not I have to confess I did not watch Parks and Recreation when it was on uh, originally I think it was at the tail end and somebody told me you might like this show so I started streaming it and I would watch four and five episodes a day and my wife came home from work one day and literally, I was crying because Ben had just asked Leslie Nope to marry him. And she goes, are you watching Parks and Rec and crying? <laughs> I said, yes, <laughs> I am. I th- I thought it was that good a show. I think that show, and I think, and, uh, you know, like most, you're such a great character on that show. I just loved your character. I think that show is consistently great from the very first episode to the very last episode. Even with character changes, cast changes, and all that, and I, I, I think you'd agree with that.
0: Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful to be a collaborator uh, under, under Mike Sure and Amy Poehler and a great producer named Morgan Sackett. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, Mike, to his credit, you know, he even, he even wrapped it up of his own volition. Like he felt like uh, seven seasons, 125 episodes. Instead of instead of you know giving into that American impulse to milk the dying sitcom for another seven years and and make terrible seasons just so we could make more money, he instead wrapped it up with quality, and I'm I'll be forever grateful because you know I, I was just uh, the right donkey in the right place at the right time. Well, it was
1: magical to me. I I just couldn't believe the quality, and you're right. It, they went out exactly the right time. Every episode, you know, is just a really quality. I heard uh, Amy Poehler say once. I heard an interview with her, and uh, the 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 interviewer asked, "What's it like to write great comedy?" And she said it was like having a very difficult bowel movement, but at the end of it, it was so satisfying. Would you concur?
0: Sure, yeah. That's- that's a great analogy that I, I will now carry forward. <laughs> um, yeah, Sweet, sweet relief. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Is it, you know, uh, you're in an episode, you're in part of the series um, The Last of Us, and that's, of course, a, a post-apocalyptic drama. Is that a harder thing to do? I've, I've heard other actors say that uh, hour-long dramas are harder than a sitcom. Would you say that's more difficult?
0: Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, generally, uh, I, I think we we feel like comedy is the it's the same stakes as as drama, but higher, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it funny. Is that you you take it from gritty realism, and you take it up even another notch, where where it's like, oh no, now, now I have to eat a banana, and it's the most terrifying thing I could ever imagine. Um, so I mean, it, it takes a different part of the toolbox, but I don't know. I I feel like um, I feel like I'd say comedy is harder.
1: Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I yeah, because making somebody laugh is not an easy business to be in, and you guys did it so well for so long. And now you're writing books. I confess, I haven't read any of your books, but you've written six of them, including uh, <laughs> the the latest one that you wrote. Uh, where the deer and the antelope play the pastoral observations of one ignorant American who loves to walk outside. (laughs) Mm. What, what drove you to write these books?
0: I, you know, I just, I, I am a big fan of uh, a lot of subject matter, like agrarianism and, uh, and conservation and uh, farming, rotational grazing, all of which leads to the most healthy beef uh, is what it really comes down to. And I, I want to encourage my readership. Also, woodworking and good manners and and healthy lovemaking. Uh, I want to I want to you know espouse this su- subject matter to my readership, and take the teachings that I have learned from from legends like Megan Mullally and pass them along to my readership and say. You, too, can be allowed in the house every Tuesday night for consensual lovemaking. <laughs>
1: Boy, that's about the best description of anything <laughs> uh, anyone has done. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. You know, th- of course, they worked uh, woodworking into Parks and Recreation. Is that because of you? Did you say, I do this, so let's put it in the show?
0: Well, I mean, n- uh, almost. They they When they were creating the show and developing the characters, they kept talking to me on the phone the writers room and i would say hang on let me let me turn off the table saw Mm -hmm. and eventually they said you know a bunch of nerdy writers said what is this you speak of what are these tools what is this wood shop and they they literally got in a sprinter van and drove over to my shop and looked around and it was my shop was actually used as ron swanson's shop so they looked around and said this is hilarious can we please make the world laugh at you for what you love <laughs> wow. and i said absolutely please i would love nothing more
1: how interesting yeah. that you it is your uh personal shop that was ron swanson's shop i had no idea but it, it it's it's a beaut
0: <laughs> you yeah, a his, i was very proud i mean not only my shop but his canoes i, I built those canoes and most of Ron's furniture that he built, I, I also built. There were, there were a few moments of, of comedy woodworking. Like one episode, he built an Irish harp overnight after drinking a bunch of scotch. Yes, I remember. That leans into comedy where it's like, no, that would take, that would take me a few weeks.
1: <laughs> but I like that the canoes even, and that was like in the later uh, episodes of the show, you're canoeing out onto a lake, and you built that. That's incredible that you're so well-rounded to do those things you know
0: well i had a lot of time in my early career when i wasn't getting cast to uh occupy myself with chisels and some western red cedar Mm -hmm. uh and then and then eventually i could have had no idea that someone would concoct a role that it would be perfect that he had built his own canoe so amazing i just got lucky there
1: you know the uh movie that chris dim and i have seen uh and uh, every one of us on this show have seen it is uh that you're in also is the founder uh which i really enjoyed you play one of the mcdonald brothers Mm -hmm. who started mcdonald's you know movie making is that a lot different than tv making and how did you like that role
0: well it it was incredible uh john rafter lee was the filmmaker and um i thought michael keaton was just incredible as, as ray Kroc, and I was so proud to work with uh with John Carroll Lynch playing my brother Dick and Mac McDonald um and it it I mean filmmaking is uh is different from television generally in that it moves a little more slowly and it depends on how big your budget is of course but but by and large you know uh with filmmaking you're crafting it a little more meticulously each each scene, each shot wants to be a work of art where television, if it's going well, gets into a churning metabolism where you're more quickly, uh, you know, getting the stories out in a serialized fashion where right. we're knocking these out week by week. And so naturally it has to go a little more quickly than filmmaking. But by and large, it's, it's the same skill set. You look at your schedule and your budget in your script and you just you know you join hands and and make the best dose of medicine you can
1: yeah well it's impressive the the movie's impressive i agree i thought michael keaton was great in that i was fascinated by the story too mm-hmm. that of course ray Kroc sort of stole this restaurant
0: it's such an American story. Yeah. He stepped in and like had the vision for for the commercialism, the the vast consumerism of fast food that is still, you know, reigning king over the planet. Although we're beginning to catch on. That's part of what my books are about. It, we're like, oh, hang on a second. This is this is not uh, it may be cheap at the drive through window, but the ultimate costs are actually quite expensive yeah. to our And the health of our planet. Yeah, it's
1: a good point. Now, are you? uh, I have not read the books. Do you? Are you just looking for the best cut of meat, or do you do? Are you vegetarian? How would you? What kind of healthy lifestyle would you? No, I'm.
0: I'm absolutely a raging carnivore, but I'm also. uh, (laughs) uh, I also just have an eye towards. Uh, sustainable farming, like living in a sustainable way, the the way that our indigenous tribes all over the world used to do, where they would look around and say, okay, we want to grow this tribe, so how can we grow these crops or harvest these animals or or use these resources in a way that for generations to come, it will be sustainable. That's the key word. And, of course, industrial consumerism said let 's not worry about that <laughs> let's let 's wring as many dollars as we can out of these forests slash oceans right. slash you know prairies uh, and now we 're now we 're paying the price we 're like okay bet we 've burned up all of these resources and you know, we're all going to have to move to the continent of plastic floating in the ocean here at some point.
1: I know that it's really sad if you when you think about how much plastic is in the ocean. Now, I don't even know why I ask you if you're a vegetarian. I, watched, I literally was watching an episode of Parks and Recreation when I got an email from your publicist saying that the interview was going to go on today. And you were sitting there over a plate of like a, a porterhouse and a <laughs> sirloin.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that yeah. is your
0: character. I mean, sure. I I'm proudly, but but I it, I'm glad it gives me a platform because like uh, you know, it it's it, a lot of the subject matter in my books uh is inspired by great writers like Michael Pollan and Wendell Berry. Uh, just reminding us to think about where our food comes from and so the you know the way a lot of industrial beef for example uh is produced in this country is terrible and and it's it's gross in every way it's you know producing cows and chickens and eggs in factories and so that I'm trying to I'm trying to encourage us to say okay how can we get back to a healthy way of eating where it's healthy and sustainable, and our, you know, our, we won't end up with cancer or diabetes or, or you name it.
1: Yeah, do it a different way. Nick Offerman, who's going to be – you're going to be at the Tanger Center here on Saturday night. Now, what can we expect from that? I know you – did you start in stand-up, and this is what you're doing is stand-up, or, or will there be anything other than – will there be Q&A or anything like that from the audience? Yeah.
0: It's not, it's quite the opposite, actually. I started as a theater actor in okay. Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, and I just wanted to do, like, Shakespeare, and, you know, be, I wanted to get uh, drafted by the London Shakespeare Company. But instead, I ended up in L.A. I ended up on Parks and Rec and uh, ended up touring as a humorist. And so th- the show is definitely much stupider uh, than my books. Uh, <laughs> but I write silly songs. I mean— I have songs about my uh my love making career with Megan Mullally. I have songs about uh, people asking me to keep it PG-13. Um, I, one one surprising new bit of material is uh I discovered some pretty scandalous information about the great Gordon Lightfoot. So there's some there's a bunch of Gordon Lightfoot themed uh material. And and stuff like that. I mean, it's uh, it's general musings. I, I encourage uh, good manners and neighborliness and mirth, um, with also you know uh, some a song about a particular a particularly uh, anomalous modern sex act uh, that that could best be described using the peach emoji. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that may be the best tease to get anybody to come see a show I've ever, ever heard. I've ever heard. You can I do mean,
0: I, I want to keep it. You want to keep it clean on the radio, right? <laughs> well, what, I mean, what do you do with the peach? You eat it. Right? <laughs> You've done very well here. You absolutely have.
1: Uh, We can see you at the Tanger Center on Saturday night. It's right here in downtown Greensboro, TangerCenter.com to get tickets. I'm sure it'll be, I mean, just in the last 10 minutes, we've learned a lot about you and you've entertained and amused, and that's just what you do uh, no matter what character you're playing. So we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you.
0: It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend.